morning, guys. You can take a seat. Do you, do you know what you're singing, by the way? When you sing this word, Hosanna, this means praise, but it's a specific kind of praise. It means praise because rescue has come. In the highest, rescue has come down to come and rescue us. I mean, this is shouts of like, you are stuck somewhere, and you need rescue to come, and then rescue has come. That's what you're singing. If you didn't know that, I mean, this is a beautiful word to be able to sing. Rescue has come. Just so you know that, I mean, this is it's beautiful. Okay, so we're in week two of our series called Wisdom in Everyday Life. So why, the question is this, why should we pursue wisdom? Why should we do this? Just so we can sit in a room and be wise? No. Wisdom is about everyday life. Here's the thing about wisdom. If you want to be successful in life, if you want to have a good life, you have to have wisdom. Now, wisdom does not guarantee success in life, and wisdom does not guarantee a good life, but you have to have wisdom to have success in life. And here's how we're defining wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the way the world works. Wisdom is a masterful understanding about the way it works. It's to know that if I do this, this is the result. If I do this action, it has this consequence. Actions have consequences, and wisdom is to masterfully understand which actions have which consequences. And today what we're going to see is that if you want to be happy in life, you have to have wisdom. If you want to be happy in life, you have to have wisdom. Now, wisdom does not guarantee like a happy ooh life like that, but there's a happiness that's coming from the depths of you or it's coming out of you because it's been put in you by wisdom. So, this is about an overflowing blessing. This word blessing is all over the Bible. And, and it's an overflowing blessing where happiness and peace and contentment are overflowing out of you. And you have to have wisdom to have this. So here's our verses. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. Here's what they say. Now here's wisdom speaking to us. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. All right. We're seeking this overflow of joy and peace and contentment. And it's found here. But if you are going to understand it here, if you're going to find it here, you have to know a little bit about Hebrew poetry. And here's what's happening here in this Hebrew poetry. We have verse 1 is an action. Verse 2 
is the positive consequence. Verse 3 is the action. Verse 4 is the positive consequence. And this goes this way all the way through. And look at that. That's the pattern of wisdom. Actions have consequences. So we see the pattern of wisdom right here poetically being put out for us. It's beautiful what's being done. But not just that. If you're going to understand Hebrew poetry, you've got to understand that there is a chiastic structure here. So it should be up on the screen for you. So here's what's going on. Verses 1 and 2 are connected to verses 11 and 12. And verses 3 and 4 are connected to verses 9 and 10. And then verses 5 through 8 are all connected, and that's kind of the centerpiece of the art here. Okay? You see the chiastic structure there? Don't read the words. Just look. You see the structure. So they're all connected, and the centerpiece is right there in the middle. Now, so here's what's happening. Verses 1 and 2 and verses 11 and 12 are saying this. Here's the wisdom that's coming down from God to you. Here's the wise words of God to you, so listen to them and keep them. And then here's the, here's the teaching. And uh, this is very misunderstood, these verses, so we're going to get into them. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and first fruits, and you will have plenty of food and wine to go around. That's essentially what it's saying. So the surface meaning here, here's what it means for you. If you have $100... Listen, if you have $100, here's what it's telling you. Give the first 10 of it to God. Say, God, this is yours. Tell me how to use this. And then what it says is, if you do that, God is going to cause your barns to be filled with more food and your vats to be filled with more wine. Now, here's the imagery here. So there's plenty of food, plenty of wine to go around. So this is kind of a party. So essentially what it's saying is your life will be filled with joy. It's going to be overflowing. Okay, so that's the surface meaning. But there's a deeper meaning here, so don't misunderstand what this is saying. In the Old Testament, when God was blessing his people, he primarily did it physically. Physical blessings. Like a bunch of food, a bunch of wine, it's a big party, yay, God's blessing us. In the New Testament, there's a shift where the blessings move from being physical to something so much greater. The blessings move to being spiritual. There's a spiritual blessing that's being poured down upon you and coming up out of you. That's, this is what's happening here. So that is the deeper meaning. And so what it's saying is, give the first of who you are to God. Give the first of what you have and say, God, this is yours. Tell me how to use it. And then what he says is, by doing that, your life is going to be filled with more joy, more peace, more contentment. Wisdom is saying, now don't miss this, wisdom is saying, give yourself to God and he'll give himself back to you. And happiness and peace and contentment are found in him. And so you have happiness and peace and contentment because you have God. Do you see that? Do you see that? Okay, now, also, God has given himself to you and so you give yourself back to God. Okay, now, Here's where you might have misunderstood what I've said, so I want to make this very clear. You might have seen on TV televangelists, TV evangelists, and um, I don't know if any of you have fallen for this, but you're watching them on TV and they said, hey, you see this Bible verse? It says if you give money to God, God's going to give you so much more back. So they're saying this, and then people will call and they give money. And here, here's what's happening. 
they're completely misinterpreting what these verses are saying. And they're saying, if you give money to God, he's going to give you so much more money back. And here's what's happened. So what's the prize now? The prize has now become money. And so people say, man, I want more money. That'd be cool. All I have to do, this, this is like a get-rich-quick scheme. All I have to do is give money here like to God, and then God's going to give me more. So if, if I have 100 and I give 10, I'm going to somehow end up with $110. Actually, just so you know, if you have $100 and you give away 10, you now have $90, not 110. Make sure you understand that. Don't fall for that if you see that. And here's what else happens. As soon as you say all this, here's what's be, what has happened. You say, oh, I want more money. God can give me more money. So then God becomes a tool. And you say, oh, man, I would love more money. God can give me more money. I'm going to give money to God, and then God's going to give me something back. And so what happens is you prize money more than you prize God. You make God a tool instead of the treasure. And then here's what happens. As soon as you do that, you lose the spiritual blessing of God and the happiness and peace and contentment that he gives you. God is the joy, not this money that's what this is trying to tell us. Also, again, you have to think practically here because Proverbs is about practical wisdom. So again, if you have $100 and you give away 10, you do not have 110, you now have $90. But, because look, this is not magic here, right? Come on, guys, look, look, look. This is not magic going on here. Here's what happens. Don't miss this because this is like the heart of the wisdom going on here. If you say to yourself, I'm going to listen to God, and I'm going to live the way he's called me to live. Part of that is, he says, give him $10 or whatever. So you say, okay. But here's what else is happening. You're saying, God, teach me. And what's happening is you're getting all of this wisdom coming down to you from God and in his word, and you start to live with wisdom. And then guess what that means? You say, God, teach me how to use everything that I have. And then what starts happening is you start using it as God would have you use it, and you then, because you're, you have the wisdom of God coming down into your life, you can take $90 and turn it into $110, not be out of magic, but because you're using the wisdom of God. You're investing it well. You're saving it well. You're, do, you're living the way that God is calling you to live. Okay, do you see that? But again, or God puts you in a situation at your work. You're living with wisdom. So you're now a good employee, and your boss says, I'm going to give you a raise because you're a good employee. This is not magic here. This is just the wisdom of God coming down, permeating into your life, and, and, and causing actions to have certain reactions. But still, material blessing is not the prize. God is the prize. So much so that you could lose all of your material stuff and still have God and say, I have enough. He is enough. I have happiness. I have peace. I have joy. I have contentment in him. Now, we say, well, I want that. I want to be able to be in a situation where if I lost everything, I would still say, I'm good, and I'm happy, and I'm peaceful, and I'm content. Here's how. You have to go down the path that leads you right into these spiritual blessings of peace and happiness and contentment. This is just straight path. So, to become a happy person is not a light switch that you just switch on. Like, I'm sad, psh, happy. 
That's not how this works. That's not how wisdom works. It's a process because it is a path, step by step. And the thing is, you've got to be on the right path. There's two paths. It's be on the right one. So how do you get to the right path? Well, the first step is right here. It says, be not wise in your own eyes. First step on this path that leads you to wisdom, which gives you happiness, peace, and contentment. Be not wise in your own eyes. Because if you're wise in your own eyes, you pick your path. You say, well, this path looks good. I will go down this path. That's the wrong path. Saying, let God pick your path. Let God direct your steps. Stop directing your own steps and let God be the director of your steps. Because you can't find the path without him. Because this path is a path that's come down from heaven and you can't find the path of heaven without God. We talked about this last week and we'll likely kind of keep talking about this because it's a perfect picture of, of what Proverbs keeps on telling us over and over and what wisdom keeps saying. Think of the version of yourself you were 15 years ago. You think of that version of you and you go, oh, I was making some very poor decisions. You cringe at the things you said. You cringe at the things you were doing. Now listen, the version of yourself 15 years from now is going to look back at your current self and say, oh, what was I thinking? I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. Now listen, here's what you've got right here. The wisdom of God in Proverbs. Here's what it's saying to you. Stop looking to yourself for wisdom because you're going to be embarrassed in 15 years from now the wisdom that you currently have. You might as well just go ahead and go to the eternal wisdom which comes from God and just do the things he's telling you to do. That's why as soon as you say... I'm not wise in my own eyes. You become wise and you become, it's like you're barreling towards that path, even though it's a slow path, you're barreling towards it because you are now seeking the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of your current self. Also, the path is a long walk. It's step by step. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not a light switch. And it takes consistency. So you get on this path towards wisdom, which gives you this contentment and peace and, and joy. And you start walking down the path with consistency, doing the things God is telling you to do. I know what that is. Somebody hit their phone three times. It does that to me sometimes. Wisdom will tell you this. Silence your phones. Okay, now, okay, so here's, so wisdom is saying, here, have rhythms in life that give you, that keep you consistent on that path. One rhythm is turn your phone off when you come in church. Another rhythm is come to church. So you've got these rhythms that God gives you. Um, so you say, you know what, I'm not very happy. What do you do about that? Well, you need wisdom. Well, how do you get wisdom? You go down the everyday rhythms or paths that God has given you so that you will find the wisdom which gives you the happiness, peace, and joy. Now, here's the other thing, though. Proverbs are very short sentences that took years to be able to say. Pro I'll say it again for you, Chris. I heard you. Oh, Joe. That was you, Joe. W wisdom, 
Proverbs are very short sentences that took a long time to be able to say, meaning you need a long time to become wise until you can speak the words of wisdom. Wisdom takes a long time. So sometimes people come into the grove, and if they're above the average age of the people in the grove, here's what happens. They say, oh man, I feel a little bit older here in the grove compared to everybody else. What should I do? It's okay, Joe, watch this. What should I do? And I say, do you see all of these young bucks? They're, they're dumb. <laughs> they don't have wisdom because wisdom comes with gray hair. And I wish my grandma, Grandma Gloria, was here because her hair is white now. So you need age to have wisdom. So I say, please stay because we're a bunch of young bucks and we need a bunch of wisdom coming towards us so we know what we're doing in life. We need wisdom. So, to get wisdom that gives you the happiness, peace, and contentment takes time, but it takes time doing something specific, walking down this path. And it's a specifically a path where you have set up everyday rhythms in your life. So the main rhythms that the Bible lays out. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. You're like, I don't feel like that's going to help me today. Well, it might not help you today, but, it, but if you keep doing this every day, it's going to help you so much more from a year from now than what you could imagine because every day you're sitting underneath the teaching of the eternal wisdom of God. And you're communing with him. You're praying with him. You're praying to him. You're asking him questions. And you're coming here on Sundays. And not just here, but you've got a community of people within the church where you're trying to figure out life together and say, okay, God's saying this, and I'm doing this. What does that mean for me? And you're making each other wise. Iron is sharpening iron. These are the everyday, every week rhythms that God has set up. So, God is saying, everyday rhythms, whatever they are, have long-term positive or negative consequences. It depends what your rhythm is. But don't think that the choices that you are making every single day, the things, the rhythms that you have set up every single day and every single week, don't think that they aren't going to have long-term positive or negative consequences because they will. That's what wisdom is saying. So if you read your Bible and you pray every day, you're finding and discovering the glory, beauty, and worth of God every day, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and over a year, over three years, over five years, and then guess what that means? When difficulties come, you have a truth that is steady and constant in God, and so you, rem you are less moved by your external circumstances that you are not in control of because you are rooted in God and his promises and everything that he said. And you've got this wisdom of him where your circumstances can fall apart all around you, but you have the wisdom that has given you the happiness, joy, and peace in him. You remain unmoved despite the waves of the world, and the wind that's always changing, you have a God who is constant. And you've discovered him in his word. You stay connected to a church. You have a community of people who are walking through life with you 
through your difficulties. And iron sharpens iron. And so you're sharpening each other. You're helping each other grow. Now, this doesn't happen all of a sudden, all at one time. It's not a light switch. This is an every day, every week rhythm that is being set up that's sharpening you every single week. Just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And the next thing you know, you're really sharp and you're shiny because people have helped shape you. But it takes time. If you say, oh man, I've been here like three times and I'm not completely changed and I don't have all this wisdom pouring down in my life, you don't understand how growth and wisdom work. It takes time. And typically, wisdom, growth, it happens. In, in discovering God, it doesn't happen in isolation. It happens together with others. That's we're wired for this. And it's meant to be measured over the long haul. The straight path is long, and you must be patient on it. So, then we say, well, how do I get on this straight path, and how do I stay on it? Because I keep wanting to get off of the path. Or I don't even want to get on the path. How do I get on it? What's the motive for me to get on this path? What's going to be the thing that just gets me there or keeps me there? Here's the answer. Radical trust in God. Radical trust in God. Being not wise in your own eyes is not enough. You have to trust. But specifically, you have to trust in the right thing, the right one, the right person. And this is the kind of trust that does this to you. Difficulty comes, you trust more in God than in doctors, more than in get-rich-quick schemes, more than in counselors, more than in medications, more than fixing yourself by your own determination. This line, verse 5, in verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, this ancient was this wisdom here, these wise teachers, the way they understood the word heart is much different than we do. We think of heart as our emotions. We think of heart as the seat of our emotions. Here's what these wise teachers thought when they thought heart. When they said heart, they, they're saying this. This is the seat of your thinking, your acting, and your emotions. Not just your emotions, but also your thinking and your acting. So you think of this. You think of your heart, and you think of a throne right on the top of it. Now, whatever you trust most is sitting on the throne of your heart. That's the king of your heart. And now guess what? Whatever's there that you trust the most, it's the king of your heart. That is directing, that king, whatever it is, whatever you trust most is directing your thoughts, it's directing your actions, and it's directing your emotions. Your thinking, your feeling, and your doing is all being directed by what you trust most that's sitting on the throne of your heart. It's commanding you to think things, to do things, to feel things. And it's telling you which path you should go on. That is why you will never be on the right path if you are not trusting God. Because there's another path that whatever else is sitting on your throne of your heart is telling you to go down. Whatever that is, it's telling you to think certain things, feel certain things, do certain things. You say, well, what if whatever I'm putting there has a similar path that what God has for me? 
doesn't work that way. Proverbs is saying there's two paths. And either you have the eternal wisdom of God or you have another path that leads to foolishness. Nothing has the wisdom of God. It's a bold claim what Proverbs is giving us. God's world is heaven. Now watch this. When he sits on the throne of your heart, he begins to bring heaven into your heart. But watch what else happens. When he's sitting on the throne of your heart and he's directing your thinking and your doing and your feeling, that means it's pouring not just into you but out of you. So that means heaven is coming to the earth through your thinking, your doing, your feeling, through your actions, through your thoughts, through your emotions. Because the king is bringing his kingdom as he sits upon the throne of your heart. And that's why your rhythms are so important, because your rhythms are teaching you what to trust. So what you do every single day, it's screaming something very quietly. Trust this, so you trust this, so then do that. Go do this. Feel this. Think this. Because your rhythms are telling you what to trust, and what your trust is telling you what to think, feel, and do. But if you put God there, you want to put God there, but you can't. You keep messing up, and the reason is because of the rhythms that you have in your life. So it's just, it just keeps going around, and it builds and builds and builds and builds. Put the right rhythms in your life. Causing, causes you to trust God, which then puts him on the throne of your heart, so now he's directing your thinking, your feeling, and your doing. Oh, man. I hope you're getting this. So let me give you an example. So if you're angry, if you're just mad, something other than God's directing your emotions. And then that's why you're on this wrong path of anger. Now, if you're anxious about something, something else is sitting on the throne of your heart. Now, to be clear, sometimes there's things going on in your brain and you do need to take some medications, but also there's circumstances around you that are causing you anxiety because you've got something else on the throne of your heart and it's telling you to be anxious. When God's saying, God's speaking in his whisper voice, shh, trust me, trust me, it's fine, rest, I've got you. If you're living in a way that involves stealing or lying or any other action that's not lining up with, with what God's telling you to do, then something else is on the throne of your heart telling you what to do. If you aren't being wise, something else is sitting on the throne of your heart telling you what to do. And then listen to this. Wisdom is telling us that actions have consequences. And wisdom is saying that all of your thinking all of your feeling and all of your doing, those have consequences to them, positive or negative. So that's why if you aren't trusting in God, it has negative consequences because what's sitting on the throne of your heart is telling you to do stuff that is not good for you, that is not wise. So not trusting God puts foolish things in your mind in your emotions, and in your actions. And it leads you down the road of foolishness. And if you don't get off of that path, it leads to greater and greater and greater consequences. Some seen, some unseen. So spend enough time on the wrong path with your anger, and your anger turns eventually into this dark abyss of hatred. And you begin to hate yourself, you begin to hate God, and you begin to hate all of the people around you. And you've gone so far into this dark abyss of anger, and 
hatred towards God that you would much rather run away from him even though he is the only one who can give you the happiness that you long for. You want happiness, but you hate God too much to go to him for it because this road, step by step by step, has led you to hate God more and more and more and more. And it will sneak up on you. Or jump on you. And it, it will, but, but watch. Listen to this, Joe. It will sneak up on you and then jump on you. Because that's what it's doing. I mean, it's sneaking up behind you and then it's jumping on you. You know, okay, you guys know what I'm saying. So, so spend enough time on the wrong path with your thinking and your thinking will become so corrupt that you think what is wrong is right and what is right is wrong. Spend enough time on the wrong path and you're going to find yourself destroying your life and destroying the lives of people around you. And you'll have no idea that you're doing it. Or you'll realize that you're doing it and you won't be able to stop. Perhaps it's helpful to just think, like, think, you know, the Bible talks about this word hell. Oh, are we supposed to talk about this word? Or are we not supposed to talk about this? Just think about, just think about it this way. It's spending an eternity on the wrong path that leads you into these negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions that continue to grow forever and ever and ever versus the other path that leads you to happiness and joy and peace in God. Now, I hope it's clear, at least now, that it's imperative that we trust God over everything else. So when we look at our thoughts, feelings, and actions, so we trust God more than anything else. Okay, this is imperative. i got to do this. But then we look at our thoughts, we look at our feelings, we look at our actions, and we say, oh no, I haven't been trusting God. So, how do we do that? Like, how do we finally come to trust God? We read something in the Bible and we're like, oh, I don't know if I believe this is true or not. Is this true? What do I do with this? I'm even questioning the Bible. What do I do with this? How do I, how do I deal with this? All of it comes down to trust. Because if we're reading the Bible and sitting over the top of it, assessing it, then we are being wise in our own eyes. But if we will let the Bible read us, then we are not being wise in our own eyes and we are trusting God now more than we trust ourselves. So, we got to trust God. We're not trusting him with our whole heart. So how do we get to the point to where we are? You have to see, you have to understand his covenantal love for you. This word covenant is clear. Covenantal love is so important. So, and I, I want to scare you for a second. I want to stress right now wisdom that says Actions have consequences. And that's not only in Proverbs. So Proverbs is saying actions have consequences, but it's not only in Proverbs. It's written all throughout Scripture. And the way it's understood in Scripture is as God's covenant with us. So covenant, what is a covenant? A covenant is a promise that is unbreakable, a promise that is sealed in blood, you might say. So, so, so watch. What's God's covenant with us? It goes like this. I promise you, I'm going to bless you, no matter what. Then he says, but if you don't listen to me, I'm going to curse you. 
but I promise you that I'm going to bless you. But if you don't listen to me, I'm going to curse you. But still, it's okay. I promise I'm going to bless you. You're like, what's going on here? Like, what is the answer? What's coming at me? Because we all say, well, I know I haven't trusted God like I should. So what should we do? Should we run from him? Should we cower in his presence? Should we run to him? This is very confusing because he's promised he's going to bless us, but he's promised he's going to curse us. So what's going to happen to us? Well, there's a story about Abraham. And Abraham is told by God, God, God says, I'm going to bless you. Now just ignore, just ignore the fact that Abraham is hearing from God. Just if, if one of you tells me, hey, I heard God tell me something today, like loud, audibly, he was screaming at me, I'd say, well, let's back up a second. But listen, so Abraham's hearing from God. Okay, as weird as that sounds, he's hearing from God. And God says to him, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham's like, well, how is that going to happen? I know the life that I've lived, and I know what I have right now, and I know what you're promising me, God, and I know that that sounds impossible. That's impossible. So how do I know that you're going to bless me? Because I'm doubting it all. I'm doubting it. How do I know, God? And here's what God tells him to do. It sounds very weird to us, but Abraham knew exactly what was going on. God says, take some animals and cut them in half. So cuts them in half. And then Abraham falls asleep and has a dream. And in his dream, a pot and a flaming torch pass right between these animals that have been cut in half. We're like, what is going on here? I'll tell you. God is entering into a covenant with Abraham. And here's, the, here's what this imagery is saying. Abraham, I promise I'm going to bless you. And if you do not keep your end of this covenant and listen to me, it's not going to cost you. It's going to cost me. And what he's saying is, Abraham, if you don't listen to me and if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, if you don't trust me with all of your heart, I'm going to pass right through death the way these, this torch passed through between these two dead, these dead animals, I'm going to pass through death the same way for you. What, it's, what God is saying is, Abraham, all, all of the consequences for your actions I'm going to take the curse for you. I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to bear the consequences so that you can still be blessed. In the New Testament, in the book of Galatians, it says, cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree, meaning a cross. You know what that's saying? All of the promises being fulfilled in Christ, all this idea of wisdom and actions have consequences. All the consequences Christ is bearing on the cross on your behalf for you. So he becomes cursed, so you are only blessed. Now, but even so much more in the life to come. Right now, it feels like joy is fighting its way up. There's going to come a time where the fighting stops and it just uncontrollable happiness and joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction. Verses 4 and 5 talk about the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. That's covenant language. And here's what it says about that 
covenantal love says this. Bind it around your neck and write it on, on your heart. Why? So that you will never forget the cross. So that when you are saying, should I trust God right now? Look at the cross. His covenantal love, his promised love for you, what he's willing to do for you will make you say, of course I should trust him. He loves me more than I love myself. Why would I not trust him? And when life gets difficult and you're struggling, you say, gosh, why should I trust God right now? Look at the cross. Because at the cross, here's what you find. The deep, ancient wisdom of God that was set before the foundation of the world. The plan was made before the foundation of the world to go to the cross because it's God displaying his great love for you and that's the display of his love. That's the only way for him to show you this kind of love that he has for you. And so he's saying, go, remember the deep ancient wisdom that we see on the cross. And when you do that, you'll be reminded that you have a God who did that so he could wrap you up in his arms. And as he embraces you in his arms, you are wrapped up and embraced by happiness and peace and contentment and love and joy and everything that your heart could desire for all of eternity is there being satisfied day after day after day. You say, oh, this is... It's almost like it's too much joy for you to contain, so it's just like going everywhere. That is what wisdom gives you. So that's why we pursue wisdom. Because wisdom, in wisdom, we find the God who does that for us. All right, let's pray. God, we pray that uh, you would help us understand your wisdom, even though it is ancient, even though it is deep, even though it is hard for us to wrap our minds around, God, I pray that you would somehow show us the way that you do, reveal to us that the truth that you have planned this long ago and it has come true in Christ, despite all the reasons we have to doubt, God, we pray that you would move the doubt away so that we would believe that this is true. Only you can do this for us, God, and so we ask you, to help us not be wise in our own eyes, but to pursue the wisdom that reveals to us this love that has been planned before we were born. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.